This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. What's going on this um, fine August? Hey, John. It's like, well, it's like, finally. I mean, after, like, shipping, after shipping issues, after, like, scheduling problems, it's like, I can finally, finally talk about um, all the stuff that Brian Michael Bendis has been doing at DC. Because, like, when it's, when news broke that he had jumped ship from Marvel to to the distinguished comp- competition, um, but it's like a little over a year back. It's like it was kind of like, whoa, what the hell happened? Because you know, Bendis had always like demonstrated a, it's like a huge like um faithfulness to his like to Marvel. It's like whenever like whenever asked he, someone was asked him, would you ever like to write for like you know another publisher like being DC? It's like you know, he said no. It's like it's like I'm it's like I'm having lots of fun at Marvel, and they gave me my big break, and so I'm. I, it's like I'm fully committed to them, so and and committed he was. I mean, he, aside from writing, you know, like Ultimate Spider-Man for it's like well over 200, 200 issues. It's like creating Miles, it's like Miles Morales and Jessica Jones. It's like doing like hundred plus issue stints on the Avengers, doing um, you know, mixed to decent runs on Guardians of the Galaxy and X. It's like and X-Men. It's like there's not really like a corner of the Marvel universe that Bendis, you know, hadn't touched. I mean, at this point, you know, there wasn't really like a whole lot left for him to, it's like, um, not to write, to write about. And on one hand, it's like, so you kind of figured that kind of, that kind of like figured into his plans to, um, jump over to DC. Cause you know, Hey, it's like, you know, at this point, you know, it's like, why not try writing for, for like a bunch of, bunch of characters and that I haven't had as well. And, to my surprise, that Bendis also decided to use this time to um, get back to doing his creator-owned stuff as well, because if they're because well, he's been extremely prolific. Um, it's like at at Marvel, like writing for writing in like you know like the Marvel Universe. Um, one thing he's let really let slide over the years was his creator-owned work, because like well, he churned out a few fair number of volumes of Powers with Michael Michael Oming at. It's like under the icon imprint, um, his efforts to launch new titles like um, Brilliant, um, Scarlet, and the United States versus Murder in Murder Inc. You know, after like the you know, the initial like run of issues, then um, it's like they those they were either plagued by like awful delays or just kind of like, dropped right off the face of the map after their their initial outing. So or both. So when it was announced that um, you know, Bendis would like not only be taking over the Superman titles, it's like it's like at DC, but he would also be doing like four creator-owned miniseries like under like the Jinx World banner. It's like at DC, I was kind of skeptical. I mean, not so much skeptical about his Superman stuff because, well, I mean, Bendis has shown that he can handle like you know the that his priority is with the uh, like the superhero stuff in like in universe like even, but um for him to do like four. Um, four four creator owned titles, all coming out at around the same time. It's like ah, no, this is going to be this is this is like going to be another this could be another train wreck. And well, I was wrong. Not um, Bendis did manage to get all of his all of his creator owned titles out, like in a timely fashion. Um, as far as like actual actual following follow up on these titles, well. We'll see about that. I mean, Powers is scheduled 
a new volume of Howard's is scheduled to come out later this later this year. But um, but I have to give him credit for like actually, for, like I'm um, not letting the schedule um like get behind any of these. It's like it's like any of these titles. I, actually, I think no, I think one of them is scheduled to come back, but we'll get to that later. But but as far as like his creator owned titles, well, the four of them are um new volumes of Scarlet and United States versus Murder Inc. and two all new creations, um Pearl and Cover. Now. I think that they're these are these are all generally all right. I think my gen the uh, TLDR version of this is that all of them have great ideas and um, some really it's like it's like and some really well well done conversation like um conversation and character interaction stuff between them because you know Bendis can't not write um interesting it's like interesting character to character dialogue, but they all kind of suffer from like from some from I guess you could say world building issues in the sense that there's some, I kind of wanted more to make these, uh, world, like the worlds these characters inhabit feel it's like, you know, like feel valid and real. And, but then again, you know, I'm not sure if he had done that, that would have, that would have um, helped Scarlet because Scarlet more than any of any of the other, um, creator owned titles. He's let, he's let lapse over the years. That's, this is like the most, most, this is all I can see of wasted potential because it's about a it's about a woman who like whose life was torn apart part by some by some corrupt cops and how she decides to start fighting fighting back against a system like in the United States that she feels is broken and unworkable. Now that is a very very relevant um it's like um like uh, plot line to have and you know when Bendis and um, Alex Maleev were doing this when the series came out, Oh, five, I think four or five years ago. I mean, I, I really liked the first volume. It made my best of list for that, for that year. Was it 2014, 2015? It's, it's been so long. I can't remember, but, uh, but the, but then, um, after like this first volume came out, then there were two, two more issues followed and then nothing for like three years after which, um, the final three issues of that volume dropped within space of space of like, two to three weeks, which you're like, what the fuck, man? And then nothing again, because, because, you know, what the hell? But, um, then, but apparently like one of the priorities that Bendis had with starting, um, at DC was, Hey, you know, I want to get this going again. And this new volume of Scarlet confusingly labeled on um, volume one, even though there are two, um, previous volumes to this, um, it's like, it starts off in a, uh, war-torn, um, it's like a version of version of Portland, which, um, is kind of like, you're like, what the hell? How did, how did we get from the end of volume two where, um, it's like, we're things right here. There's a riot breaking out in the city, but you know, now we're in kind of like, it's like, it's kind of like, it's almost kind of like a no man's land here. So, and apparently it's like, it's like, apparently like things just, Things just we're, we're to understand that things just escalated in it's like in Portland to the point where they were able to, they were able to cut it off from from the U.S. and that that apparently like the uh, the optics of the U.S. attacking the city just looked started to look really bad. Which okay, fine. It just seems like kind of like a rather large um, jump for uh, 
you know, for a city to, you know, cut itself off like that. I mean, hey, you know, maybe this is something that will happen in the next, in the next year or so, but hey, don't quote me on that. But uh, it's, but it just feels, but, but um, this volume requires a rather large, like, leap on behalf of the reader to um, get behind what, like, what they're doing here. I mean, it's like, it's just, you know, like these kids who are almost in over their head who all identify with, with Scarlet and they believe in what she's doing. And, um, she, and as for Scarlet herself, she's still barely holding it together, you know, like trying, like trying to keep, like trying to keep this revolution. She started going, even though she realizes that, Hey, you know, it's like, it's, I'm just one person in one city up against the U S the might of the U S army and, um, every, everywhere else. And um, that's where things start, and then we find out that the U.S. wants to negotiate with her, and it's and like you know, there's the things are fraught from there with you know, like bad bad action, bad actors and actions on both sides, until you get to the very end when you find out that well, maybe Scarlet wasn't quite as behind the eight ball as she thought she was, and okay, it's one and it requires. Another leap on on the part of the reader to um, assume that this happened this is happening as well, and I'm like, okay, um, you know, it's like, I, it's something I don't agree with Bendis's like like assumption that you know things are bad and broken and need a fixing right now, but at the same time though, it's like I, I'm not really seeing like he, like a, like a, like the way like a way for, for things to be better um, through Scarlet. And it just, fe- and also it's like, I don't feel like it's like really quite, quite there in terms of like, you know, ac- accurately reflecting, it's like reflecting our world. I mean, it's kind of like a worse, I'll admit it's like, it does kind of feel like a worst case scenario, but, um, it still kind of feels like he's kind of like teasing at real change rather than actually showing us what it, what it looks like. He's playing with the idea of, you know, it's like, hey, you know, revolution, and like, revolution for what? Not sure yet, but we'll get there. That's, I mean, like, I kind of, I kind of want, I want to like this a lot. And Maliv does do some great gritty art in capturing like, like the look of this, like, of Scarlet and her revolution. But, um, you know, even getting past the fact that you know, Bendis has a lot, still needs to make up has a lot to make up for in terms of just letting this series die on the vine over the years. Um, this new one of Scarlet is a little step in that direction, but, um, can't really say it's, it's, it's like the one that I would recommend that people go, go and check out like above everything else that he's, of these new creator owned titles he's done. Now, this, now this next title, um, Pearl, um, comes, comes to us from Bendis and artist, Michael Gatos. Gatos, if you remember, was his collaborator on on Alias and Jessica Jones. So basically, like you know, these guys, these guys, guys who gave us Jessica Jones and Pearl, kind of feels like their answer to, "Hey, great job creating a like a memorable female female protagonist who st- stands apart from the crowd." Now go ahead and do it again. Okay, so Pearl, the Pearl of the title is Pearl Tanaka. She is a like she's a tat- tattoo artist working in, it's like re- working in San Francisco's Japan Japantown district, who um, like who meets this nice guy. It's like a fellow tattoo aficionado, Rick, um, one one night, and when he recognizes her um spider tattoo done by 
that was done by a master, um, Iriguchi. It's like, you know, they, they kind of like, they kind of hit it off. And until their time, until it's like, until their meeting is interrupted by a bunch of, um, thug thugs on bicycles and, um, Pearl without thinking or point, um, bust, bust out a gun and shoots one of them when, when Rick is in danger, this brings her to the attention of, um, it's like of the, one of the, 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 it's like of like one of the big, um, Yakuza bosses in town, Mr. Mike, um, who, uh, it's like who wants to basically realize that hey, you know, it's like he's like he's had this like great professional like like sitting under him all this time, and he wants to use her, it's like use her talents, especially at, after the fact that she may have started a gang war with the uh, it's like with the with the uh, person she killed. Problem is that one of the first people who um like who first people like on the list of potential targets that um that Mister Mike gives to uh, for her to knock off. Well, Rick's on there. Now, it's like Pearl. Pearl is like it. It feels like it's it's one of it's been his attempt to get back to like the street level crime stories that he made his name with. It's like like stuff like Jinx and Torso. It's like Jinx and Goldfish. It's like and I guess you could throw Torso in there, but not not quite. That's not really well. That's I'm digressing there. But um, but Pearl is basically a story of one woman being thrust. Like thrust into, like into the position of, like of work, working for the Japanese mob, and how she has to deal deal with that as it throw, basically upends her, like everything she knows about her per, her personal life. Now, Bendis does a good job of getting us inside Pearl's, like Pearl's head, and how she feels how she feels about this, and um, it's like as well as like you know how Rick feels about this, and it's like and Pearl's best friend Kimmy, it's like you know. Like I can like he does a good job of like you know, get of um, it's like making these characters likable and sympathetic, and you know we want to know what's going to happen, happen to them over the, it's like over the course of the story. The problem is that uh, there's there's all this other all the other stuff that ha- that's happening around them. It feels a lot of the story feels kind of like Pearl is just kind of like reacting to, it's like like the forces greater greater than her control. And it's just in just such a story kind of reels that reads like she's kind of being bounced from you know one, um, you know it's like one action scene scene to the next almost. And then um, there's also stuff about um, her like her mother and apparently like the big secret role that she played. It's like in it's like in the it's like in the yakuza as well. And it kind of really feels um, kind kind of ha- kind of half baked. It's like um, by it's like by the end of the story. One thing that doesn't feel half big though are the um, sensible antagonists, um, the Endo Twins. Um, it's like, like, it's like, um, peddlers um, come money launderers. It's like who um, are are really kind of fuck ups, but it's like, and, and they've got their, it's like, and they wind, and they're like behind the people that were, it's like that were terrorizing, that they were terrorizing Pearl, Pearl and Rick on their like in their initial meet cute, but you know they've got. It's like they've got their own interesting his- history about um, how they became, how, how like they got into, into the money laundry business. It's like, and you know, it's like it's it's fun to read about just you know how 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 these guys how they think they're much much more um, I don't know, I guess skilled or influential than they actually are, and just see watch that kind of come and bite them over the many times over the course of the, uh, the volume. That was. That was kind of fun, and to be honest, I 
I was also kind of wishing that, you know, maybe we'd gotten a volume all about them and that Pearl was kind of like the uh, mysterious hit woman who would come to try and take take them out as well. Uh, but, you know, that's not, that's not what we got. I mean, I mean, and yeah, like Pearl and the Endo Twins will be back for future stories. And I'm pretty sure, I'm going to double check, I think that um, they are, that Bendis and Gatos are kind of working on the uh, second the second volume as we like as we speak but um but it's overall i think i just follow this in under like not bad i mean i'm not I means like it wasn't it doesn't it didn't have like the whole the whole like you're reading something that is different different and brand new like a new way of looking at old stuff that um jessica jones um hit the uh the hit the stance with in in alias i mean pearl is you know just a good it's like a good crime, it's a good, um, decent enough crime story. It's like, and you know, it's fine. And Gatos's art is very, very moody, off, like often experimental. It's like in, it's like over, like in certain points in each, it's like in each issue. And yeah, I'll keep reading it. I can't say that, you know, this really just you know, got me though. Still, um, next up though is cover. And this, yes, yeah, like, I think this is probably like the, uh, probably the best of, um, Medicine's creator own stuff, and this is this is also this is brand brand new because well you, you could say that this is that Pearl is kind of like you know is um Bendis and Gatos's efforts to try and make lightning hit twice and <laughs> excuse me in terms of um female protagonists cover is um Bendis and his um frequent collaborator David Mack um trying to tell us like a new like an all new story about a, a guy um Max Fields who. Sorry, Max Field, who um, like he's a comic book artist who who has this, who apparently like accumulated some like some fame, some, like some fame through by doing the series um, Ninja Sword Odyssey, and that allows him to make out like to, to eke out a successful li- living in comics and get invited to uh, like like to conventions on a fre- on a frequent basis. You know, like just um, set up shop in Artist Alley, go on go on panel, be asked to panels and ask for his opinion on, it's like on these things and also podcasts as well. So he's, so, you know, he's not kind of like uh, a lister type level. He's not like, like your like your Jim, Jim Lee type. It's like, you know, type guy, but he's a guy who's able to have a, a fairly successful, successful career, just traveling all around, you know, because of what he's done. And that's um, what, it, that's what attracts the, uh, it's like, see the attention the attention of this it's like of this one sake like of this one woman it's like um julia it's like who um to he meets her one day finds out that she's that she's a fan and he she buys a bunch of bunch of art and um it's like and then he meets it's like and then he meets her at another convention they go out, they go out to dinner it's like and she tells him that oh she works at um langley you know that langley ca like type langley and you know, say at one point, and then as they're as and while they're you know kind of hitting it off, she uh, she, ha- she has to leave him high and dry during dinner because something came up. And then um, a couple months later, he finds out that oh, he's been invited to this convention in Istanbul. And when and um, when he finally gets there, um, he sees that oh, his the um, person at the airport who's like you know has his 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 driver for the like for the duration of his stay who's. It's like who has like the name Max, you know, at, waiting for him when he gets off the plane. Well, it's Julia, because turns out that that not only that 
that she is that being that she that, that she's not really a spy, but she is deep into the CIA CIA, and she v, she views Max Max's work as being like you know perfect cover, you know for like for their for their plans. Like hey, you know, because comic book artists and comic book artists and writers and creators just get asked to conventions all over the world for because hey, you know, it's like these conventions pop up up wherever. So why not uh, recruit one of these guys to do like to do stuff, you know, for them? And that's kind of what she does. Like she he asked he like Max ones up delivering a uh, tchotchke to the president of like the Prime Minister of Istanbul, like who like and that that will apparently allow the CIA to see into his man cave, and um, and then later on, you know, it's like it's like he winds up being uh, it's like being um like I'm taken into a room and just beaten within an inch of his life by another creator, a guy by the name of Assad Sins, because apparently like Sins has also been recruited to do the same kind of work that Max has done by some other um by some other country. Who? We don't know. It's like, but apparently it's like, but apparently it's like, um, people who back sins are pissed that, you know, that someone like Max is doing this stuff. And it's, it's like, and you know, it's like, there's a lot of stuff that, 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 you know, we don't know about what Max does here. We, that, that's what we don't know about Julia is having him do. It's like, is like, I mean, it's like, why is she having, um, is she, I mean, like, like, why is it essential that the CIA um, see what um, see what's going on in the um, Prime Minister of Turkey's um, man cave? We don't know. It's like, you know, what are they going to gain by like throwing throwing their own like um, comic book convention in? It's like in Brazil, you know, hopefully good stuff for us. But uh, but you know, I really don't have a problem like you know with the not knowing. Um, what's really going on here? Because the story is told almost entirely from Max's point point of view, and like his feelings of uh, confusion and like in, in disbelief about what's going on are really communicated well well to the reader. I mean, his it's like like his uncertainty and um, desperation those that that translate to our our uncertainty and desperation as well. It's like you know, is he doing the right thing here? I mean. Even when he um, manages to get inside um, Sin's head and presents the idea of maybe, hey, maybe he can flip um, Sin's over to our side. You know, it's like, is is that even, is that a good thing? Possibly. But, you know, but all Max knows is that, you know, hey, it's like, okay, so she, I'm working for someone who works for the CIA and, you know, it's like I want to, and, you know, they're ostensibly doing good stuff for our country. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, it's an interesting, it's like, it's an interesting read, like on, it's like on that level. And it's, it's like, and there's a lot of fun stuff, like see with seeing, um, how Max like inter interacts with his friends. It's like, and it's like, and like, just kind of like the, um, like friendly bullshit on the day that they, ha they talk about with, with each other. It's like this, this, com this, um, banter between comics, comics creators just feels, feels real and fun throughout the course of the series it's like and it's like I said, it's just it's just uh, like it's it's an interesting story just communicate about uncertainty and not knowing that i think is communicated well what i wish um bendis had done better would be to lay out you know just how uh the uh it's like the comics um 
nature of his wor- of this world functions because it it seems that um, Max just kind of like exists in kind of like oh he was able to do like his own like indie book without working for you know any kind of doing kind of like Marvel and DC type superhero stuff. <laughs> Excuse me, and um, and that's kind of like annoying because. Yeah, I was like, you kind of figured he would at least pay lip service to the idea that okay, you, you do time or you do stuff, stuff um, image to get noticed, then you work for Marvel and DC to get famous, then you go back to Image or like any other like um, company to do the the creator own stuff that you really like, like Max's own Ninja Sword Odyssey, which, uh, well, you know, that's regarding that series, uh, Bendis and Mac commit kind of the cardinal sin for when it comes to um, talking about. Um, like work, like like work in um, a fictional setting. Because okay, it's one thing to say that you know, like this series Ninja Sword Odyssey was famous, was um, popular, and well done enough to get um, you know Max basically have Max get a career, but um, to actually show it to us, um, what we what we see of it, and doesn't really. Like it just it feels really slow and kind of ponderous, and um, at the end when we find out that um, that it's that how its creator like you know kind of um, the art the cre- its creator was making was kind of like gave rise to the the idea of manga. It's kind of like oh yeah sure. <sighs> I don't know. It's like it's it, it feels really easy to gloss over that stuff, and there is something analogous to what Max is doing in the story. But to be honest, I kind of, I wish that, you know, ben, um, Bendis and Mac had just skipped over you know, actually showing us what, um, you know, Ninja Sword Odyssey looked like. And to be honest, it's, it's very, it's a lot, the comic Ninja Sword Odyssey sound, is a lot more ponderous than you'd expect a title called Ninja Sword Odyssey to be. And also, when it comes to, um, you know, sh- like showing us actually showing us, you know, titles that are supposed to be popular and well-received in comics. Um, only Bakuman has actually even come close to pulling off that idea. And, um, there it's really not. And what, what's done cover is not in the same, same league. I'm, I'm glad that the uh, main story for cover is still pretty good actually. So there, there you go. Okay. And then we've got, um, United States versus murder Inc, which is, um, Bendis's, um, other collaboration with Michael Oming that he also his, his um his co-creator on Powers with, and this you know was you know there's oh hey you know there is a big volume two number two on it so yeah this is meant to be um follow on like from the first one good job on that why couldn't you've done this for Scarlet um goddamn it okay anyway but United States versus Murder Inc follows on from the original series which established the idea that the uh, five families. It's like of the uh, 50s and 60s in the U.S. that they were never um, really taken down, um, but it's like um, by the government. They only grew bigger and bigger to the point where they actually had to cede part of the, the U.S. had to cede control of part of the country to them. It's like in order to, it's like, it's like in order to um, form form an in order to um, get free of like it's like of their influence. Well, it's like at at the end of the first volume, um, it's like made, it's like made band Valentine Gallo and hit woman Jagger Rose, Jagger Rose, um, had been hung out to dry, um, by their, by their families until they found out that it was all part of a plot. It's like, um, by, 
it's like by the by the United States. And now it's like, you know, it's like they're well, they're back in their good graces. Um, the story starts off with a night with an interesting um, two part flashback that shows us the history of um, Jagger Rose, how she basically became the first um, like hit woman. It's like for like it's like um, for the Ma. It's like um, for the five families. It's like all the bullshit she had to go through as well in dealing with her. It's like with her. Uh, was it Uncle, Uncle Mike? It's like yeah. Uncle Jake. It's like, and, you know, it's like, it's fun. And, um, and it's fun seeing, you know, like seeing her go through, go through this and fun and shocking. She have to find out, you know, what, what happens when she meets, when, um, Jake takes her to, um, the guy they caught who killed her dad. And just, he tells her like, okay, well, this is the guy that killed your dad. So whatever, whatever happens next, um, is going to determine whether like, you know, how are you going to, like how things are going to go with you and the family? Well, she wants up becoming a hit woman. You can probably, probably can guess how thing, things went things went from there. But it's a but it's a uh, even if like like the overall like flow of the story is is familiar. It's like it's it's like um Bendis and Oming do tell do make it an engage it's like it's like an engaging um like Lark as we uh, it's like just just showing us you know how how Jagger learns the tools of the trade and showing us her. Like, it's like her her um easygoing relationship with Uncle Jake up until the end at least. So, but then the uh, final four issues, sorry, the next four issues, um basically um deal with the uh, the United States um hitting it's like like hitting Murder Inc um hard and um five families um assigning um Valentine and Jagger the like a proportional response to. Um, like to this attack that leads them to like basically stage and assa- try and assassinate the president of the United States. So as far, as far as how that goes, it's like, well, it, it goes, it's on one hand, it's like, I think that um, this does kind of suffer from, you know, like l- a lack of proper world building, just, you know, trying to, Giving us a good idea of like where every everything is, but just giving us ideas about okay, like this is where the U.S. There's the U.S. There's this mob-run country, like, and um, there's the attack. It's like there's like the president. Then they want to take out the president, and then um, there's fallout from that, and then um, there's stuff that's going to go on from there. It kind of feels if you can if you can accept that and not think too not think too hard about just how how is this world supposed to supposed to function at all it's like then you'll have a good time i mean i think um there's lots of style here because oming has i mean he's he, he like he nails like the psychedelic uh, freak out stuff i mean like i, I loved what, what he was doing in um the in cave carson's um series and even though it's like this doesn't like give him like the same kind of like freedom to just go completely. It's like off, off the rails here in terms of drawing, just like, like utter cosmic craziness. There's, it's just, there's this like really, it's just like this confident, confident style here that he has in showing us just, you know, how off kilter, just how off kilter and how just crazy everything can look, especially when it's like when Jagger and Valentine are on the run in, it's like in Japan, and a tr- and 
and you follow their path all over the page like it's a maze and there's a maze in the background it's just really like really vibrant here and so even though it's like a lot of the stuff is just kind of like talking heads um oming knows how to stage the stuff just with, with like with me- to maximum style to make it like just to make like these conversations just seem really it's like really compelling as it is especially when Valentine like is talking with his um quote unquote um FBI handlers about you know the fallout from the uh like from the assassination and um how it's like and just how things go go from bad to worse as he's as he's talking to them it's like I said it's it's entertaining on its own terms it's just you know you kind of have to accept like you know the big picture stuff that these that that that's being dealt with here without you know thinking too hard about it really and to be honest i do kind of like i do really like the last um last issue where um where valentine confronts his mom about the role she had for him in terms of like you know setting up the i'm um, being being like um an informant for the uh like like for the fbi but um well so it turns out that after all after everything he's been through um valentine has valentine has some other has some other thoughts about it's like about, about how all this is supposed to go down and i'll admit it's like i it's like it's like it wasn't what i was expecting and that's what i liked about it so even if i've got issues with you know believing in how all this holds together it's still it's like i still kind of i still want to like this and you know i can and there's enough style here that i can get past the uh it's like, you know, the big the issues with, you know, the bigger picture stuff about how this world is supposed to function. So, so there you go. It's, a, it's kind of, it's, it's a win for me. It's a win for me at least. So, but, uh, finally, finally, we're here on, you know, it's like the first of like, um, Bendis's contributions to DC universe. And that would be the man of steel, his, um, six issue, um, prologue to his runs on, it's like on um, action comics and Superman. Now, if you're thinking, well, wait a second, why do you, why do you need like six issues of prologue to, like, to two ongoing titles? It's like, well, you've kind of stumbled upon the biggest problem with this, with this volume, because this is basically like setting up all the like a lot several different storylines that Bendis is going to um, come back to, like, like in those two titles. First of which being um, Rogel Czar, who is a um, Who's who's the kind of like um outer space warrior, like you know common to, it's like common to DC. Common to DC. He's kind of like Lobo, only without the, uh, it's like without the uh, sardonic, sardonic over the top sense of humor. Just like a really self serious um look on his face. Oh, and yeah, he's apparently he apparently is the reason that um Krypton blew up. Yeah, think about for the, that for a second because we're meant to believe that that Krypton. A Krypton was, was destroyed because Rogel Czar believed that um, the Kryptonians represented a bigger, th- a great threat to the, uh, it's like to the universe. And while he ple- pleaded his case to, it's like to its higher powers, they said no. And then, well, why didn't you know? Krypton blew up anyway. Now he's um, back. Now he's finally found his way to Earth after, after realizing that, um, hey, turns out, turns out there's one more Krypton. There's one more Kryptonian out there that I need to take care of. So that's, so that's one, that's one story thread here. Then there's a matter of what happened to, um, Lois, Lois Lane and Superman's son, John, um, John Kent. So 
what did happen to them? Huh. Good question. Well, they, uh, it's like they apparently disappeared to parts unknown. And, um, the uh, reason for that is teased out over, it's like over like several different over, um, it's like over the course of these six issues. Interesting enough, while well, it was kind of like laughed at the idea that, you know, Jason Fabach was contributing like individual pages to, um, these six issue, the six issues of these, um, uh, like of this mini series, um, his contributions actually actually kind of like tie up nicely, like dovetailing into his final issue, where we, as we find out, just you know what was going on with this um, mysterious force that shows up one day at Superman's apartment, doesn't really mean him no harm. But then when you find out what's like who it really is, it's kind of like, wow. Okay, we'll see. Let's see what that. It's like where that's going. It's it's kind of interesting, but I get the but it's a thread that I kind of feel was like meant to um, introduce, you know, drama for drama's sake more than anything else. Oh, and then there's the fact that, you know, apparently someone's setting fires in, um, like, it's like in, it's like in metropolis, in metropolis and Superman can't Superman and Batman apparently can't figure out who's it's like, like who's behind it. Oh, and apparently the uh, daily planet might've been sold, sold for parts as well, but we'll get back to that. I, I assume at some point there's, so there's a lot going on here, even though like the Rogel czar stuff, um, really comes to dominate the story. Like as, like, um, like as it progresses throughout these six issues and you know, it's like, I don't think there's really anything wrong or bad about how Bendis writes Superman. Um, when I means like he's, he kind of, I mean, he kind of writes him the way I we expect him to just, you know, polite, it's like, you know, polite, maybe a little, like, like be just the touch sarcastic at certain points. Um, and I'm capable of getting really mad. It's like when, um, it's like when someone manages to like find, find a reason to get, get at him as rules are does with a, uh, kind of a, uh, big, big deal thing to the, to the Superman mythos, even though, well, if you think about it, you know, it's like no, no one's actually done anything with this particular thing. Like for like le- for like all Superman's eighty years, it's I guess I can't really blame him too much for you know one for for doing this, but yeah, pro- they can bring it back like not too hard if like if they wanted to think about it. But getting back on on topic, I I think that um Bendis writes Superman just fine. Um, I don't really feel there's anything really special about him though. It's like I mean, there's not really like when. Comparing, like you know, like how Bendis writes, Bendis wrote of uh, uh, um, New Avengers to how Avengers used to be written. I felt that there was like there was kind of like an energy, and his decompressed style made made the story, like made the story and the character and action stand out more. So, but um, looking, but you know, reading his Superman to Superman stuff, I mean, it's not really. It just doesn't feel like it's uh, like it's kind of like a. Uh, Oh, hey, Bendis is going to write Superman. It's going to be awesome. It's, you know, it's just kind of like, kind of just about what I expect, you know? So it's not really, so it's not really bad. It's not really bad. It's not really like, you know, as shockingly good as, as I expect, as, as you would expect or hope, I guess. I mean, it's, it just kind of feels, feels like, you know, along the same lines of, it's like of his, it's like of his, like, um, Marvel stuff, you know, it, down to like the uh, characters, like yo, ra- like um, randomly, uh, like insert randomly, um, throwing in like Jewish, it's like um, Jewish, Jewish slang as well. So, but uh, 
it's but so but will I um I keep reading it? Sure. I mean, it's like I mean, it's like I said, it, it wasn't bad, and I'm kind of he does set up a lot of stuff to be followed, followed up on later, like as as things go on. So in terms of like you know get me to come back, well, sure. It's like it it's like it comes out fine, and it's like and um the art is is nice, even if like you know stylistic consistency is just kind of a uh it's it's just it's a foreign notion to what like it's like to what's um like to this volume because you know in addition to um Fabak, um we've got um Jim Lee, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Ivan Rice, um Evan Shaner, Stephen Rude, Ryan Sook, um Kevin McGuire, and Adam Hughes contributing um art to this volume and it, so it's a murderer's row of talent but you know it's like I wouldn't mind it if they had just managed to get any one of those artists to just draw the whole thing themselves but you know this is the weekly series so I guess it's you know kind of nice that you know we got this murderer's row as it as it was so so how to say like um assess Mendes's uh arrival at DC well I'm glad that he's um doing creator own stuff again. I mean, no, it's not not all of it was the home run that I was really hoping for, but you know, cover was pretty good, and um, United States versus Murder Inc. um is satisfying, at, at, if if in no other way than in its style over substance kind of approach. So um Pearl, you know, I'm willing to give it um yeah, give it some time to see how it shakes out. And Scarlet, well. You know, hey, anytime you guys want to feel like getting back to it, you know, actually developing this series in the way it deserves to be to live up to its potential, heh, go for it. I don't see that happening, though, considering that you're busy with uh, Event Leviathan right now. But, you know, it's like, uh, it's fine. I think that, um, I guess it's not... <sighs> Towards the end of um, Bendis's uh, tenure at uh, Marvel, it really started to feel like he was like his, his input, his output was just kind of like, was, was a lot more shaky than, than, than I had liked, you know, he wasn't like the, Oh my God, I got to read everything he does, you know, kind of feel that I get from, from, Oh, from new volumes of work from Kieran Guilin and Jonathan Hickman these, these days. Um, and, uh, his, in his DC stuff, well, you know, kind of, it's like, I mean, it's, it's decent stuff, but it's not just the kind of like shock of the new that I, that I was expecting. And I think that DC was expecting as well. You know, will I have um, more stuff to say about this stuff as it goes on? Sure. I mean, it doesn't really give any, any reasons to stop reading his stuff. That's for sure. So, so overall, it's like, you know, if you're on the fence, then I don't think there's a lot here that make that would convince you to get off of it. But, you know, it's like everyone who, if you were like, you know, holding out on, on his work because, you know, like, oh, I mean, I, it's DC, man. I don't know. But go ahead and give it a shot. It's like, I mean, he hasn't really changed just because he's um, working for the Crosstown Rivals now. It's like, doesn't mean that he's really changed. His, his same style, strengths, and weaknesses are still are still there. It's like, and I'll probably, and I'll still, still keep reading it, you know, as long as I, it's like, as long as I find it, find this stuff enjoyable, which it is. So there you go. So, John, it's like, I hope you haven't fallen give asleep. It, it, yeah. A shot. Yes. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. That's about the best recommendation you can get for it. So, all right. Um, that's about the only thought I have. Um, as for anything else, what are you planning on next time? Oh, next time is going to be the end end of an era, as I 
tackle like the last run of um of BPRD comics from from Mike Mignola and co- company. So is it after like all these years, is it delivered? Does it deliver us like a satisfying follow up, or have I just been wasting my time and and the thirty three previous volumes as well? Stay tuned for the next time on Comet Picks by the Glick, and you'll find the answer to that. Yes. All right. Talk to you later.